Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is the fastest two hours in radio. I'm Jamie Johnson. This is Saturday Morning Live. Adrienne Branstead is not with us today. She's taken the day off. And I am joined by my special guest host, Michael Davenport. Just as gorgeous as Adrienne. Just as gorgeous, just as talented. Um, and, you know, it's just great to have you on the program. Thank For those you very who much. are not with us in the first hour, why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself to our listening audience? Well, sure. Uh, Michael Davenport, born and bred Des Moines, Iowa. I moved away for a little while to Chicago to be an actor there. Moved back, and now I'm into social studies teaching and acting and directing theater uh, when I can get the job, local community theaters right. and that sort of thing. And, and I love all things we've talked about today clothes, Catholicism, and now the theater. <laughs> yes. So this is, this is right up your alley. It this, is. this was a good day for you to come. Host here. So, well, we have with us John Viers. He's the executive director of the Des Moines Community Playhouse, uh, an institution that Des Moines has loved for decades and continues to love because of the great service that it provides us in the in 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 the role of making us happier and helping us laugh and helping us cry of course we all need to do that it is a wonderful treasure trove of good people who give us classic uh classic theater so welcome john to uh, am, news radio 1040 WHO. i am so happy to be here i uh, thanks for the tough acts to follow <laughs> So we'll see if we can take care of the rest of the human being. We start with a prayer yes. first, maybe. Do what? You want me to <laughs> start with a prayer? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well. How long have you been involved in acting and drama and theater and the whole world of thespianism? Okay. Well, let's let's take that apart. Uh, acting is probably the least of my involvement. <laughs> I acted uh, once in high school and about six times in college because it was expected of me, and quickly decided. I don't like doing that. And people who aren't very good at things sometimes say that about those things, and that, I think, was my case. But directing, I've been doing for 45 years. Uh, at the Playhouse, I've been doing it for 35 years. I'm in my 35th consecutive season, came here in 1982, and have directed hundreds of plays have uh, presided over one of the very best community theaters in the country. We are certainly one of the largest and one of the oldest, coming up on our 100th birthday in 2019. And we've done so many wonderful things. Uh, my, my portion of involvement at the Playhouse, of course, is the majority of my life and uh, the longest-running uh, director at the Playhouse. So... I'm very proud of that, and uh, some of my peers say, "I'm it just it's so wonderful that you've been there so long. You're an institution. I'm just it's so wonderful." And my response is, "Yeah, but a lot of people think of it as a lack of initiative." That <laughs> when, when I got, nah, I think I'll stay. Uh, let me stay in this chair. I'll be good. But uh, we, we just keep doing exciting things. We have a great talent base in Des Moines. 
we change lives and i and i don't say that lightly it's actually there's there's fact out there there's data to show that people involved in creative and performing arts especially at a young age do better in absolutely every measure in terms of test scores uh, achievement academic achievement business achievement they learn to communicate they learn to negotiate at a young age and uh, it it makes them confident and it gives them a really great start so we are proud of that and we actually do everything we can to enhance that at the Playhouse. I have known people who were naturally timid, and they got into acting on a localized, sometimes it was just with their school, and they fell in love with it so much, they became public speakers. Mm. Has that been something that you have seen we happen do, to people? Uh, yes, yes, of course. I can watch it with the young kids who come to us. Uh, sometimes we do a wonderful job with uh, helping people who couldn't afford it to come to the theater, and we see them step up and shine and and change completely. They're focused, confident. Uh, you can uh, the last show we did, West Side Story, the last main stage big musical. There were some kids who had started with us several years before, and now they're at the ripe old age of eleven or twelve, and they're leaders as a result of of getting involved in that kind of thing. So. I can't be uh, I, I, I can't be prouder than I am of what theater does and my ability to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. you bet. I got to tell you, I think John is very modest here because when I think of the Des Moines Playhouse, I think of a professional theater. They are operating like a professional theater, more professional than the theaters I worked at, which were professional theaters in Chicago. They're professional theater posing as a community theater because their their work is that good. And you take students uh, from all across central Iowa that get involved. Uh, maybe they've been a part of uh, the second Saturday program or uh, the, the week the weekend classes, that sort of thing. They graduate through the Playhouse program. Now, like John said, they're business leaders. They're excellent students at university. And these are people that are making a difference in the world. It's more than just a silliness and song and dance on the stage. The Playhouse is about forming great human beings, I think. And it's hard to prove the negative. So uh, it's, we, we're not getting a lot of awards for what people didn't become. <laughs> and so, but but we, know, uh, we know the effect of it. But that's just part of what we do. Uh, we produce 12 to 15 shows a year or bring some in uh, in two different theaters. Uh, we've just uh, totally remodeled the uh, facade of our main stage auditorium, and we're about to dig into uh, totally renovating and creating a state-of-the-art theater for the future. Oh, that sounds in, exciting. On our main stage. So you've got a, you've got a time projection for that within you the bet. last within you know the next what? If, couple in of years? In terms of deadlines, that's what we do. Everything we do is a deadline. But the ultimate deadline for me is the 2019 season when this has to be done and I have to put back everything I've taken off the shelf and everything has to be arranged properly because I'll be retiring after that season. And we will have our capital campaign and the improvements completed. And so you announced your retirement go. three years early. That, that That's you a set big, a date. Everybody uh, that you work Sinatra with knows that too, about it. I think it's a he big retired mistake. a few Yeah, times. but he was only 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Sinatra fan, too. So, so they know that this is the targeted date and, and these things have to be completed. Distraction. Uh, <laughs> the, the target, well, the, it's, 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 uh, it would be presumptuous of me to assume they would have to complete it because of me. But uh, 
to my, to the extent that I'm involved in helping with it, we ex, it's on our schedule to be uh, to be absolutely complete uh, by the beginning of the 2019 season. You bet. That's great, mm-hmm. Michael. What does having a theater in our community mean to our community? Holy cow! What a great question. Uh, very open ended. Of course, Des Moines is very lucky in that we have the theater. Of course, we have the arts center. And we have a great symphony. We have a, a vibrancy and a richness uh, in Des Moines that they don't have in other places. Uh, and, you know, anybody can go to the Des Moines Playhouse and audition for a show or ask to swing a hammer, build a set, be an usher, and they can be educated and trained. And that investment in people is what the Playhouse is so mm-hmm. great about. And when you invest in people, you're investing in community. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to quote Hillary Clinton here, but it really yeah. does. A community yes. is a really a, a great thing here. It, it takes that village, really, to make uh, such a beautiful, vibrant uh, metropolis as Des Moines yes. uh, be alive. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I got to tell you, John Viers is a guy that is stop. for oh, the last stop. whatever he said. You're gonna get I'm gonna, I'll be here. back in five 30, minutes. Yeah. Ahead, this is Michael. your life. Would yeah. you bring, yeah. in, uh, bring in the guests here? Uh, uh, for 35 years, this guy's in, in this building over there on 42nd Street. He gets in there, I don't know, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and then he's in there until 10 p.m. at night. How do you have any life? Uh, well... I, who, who says I do? <laughs> there, that's the my well. Life is there. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, getting personal for a minute, the difficulty when someone has a career like that is the disengagement because uh, it's like pulling uh, one of those legs out of the the three legged stool, and you say, "Oh, I just fell down." So w- I'm working on that too. So let's not talk about me. Let's talk about <laughs> the greatness of of the concept of theater in our community, and you're doing a very good job of explaining it. Let me make an important distinction here. Michael said, in every way, they're just like better than the professional theaters in Chicago that uh, he was involved with. He's, He's probably right, but there is one big difference, and that is everybody's a volunteer at the Playhouse. Mm -hmm. The actors don't get paid. The uh, the backstage crew doesn't get paid. We have a small staff. They're doing it for the love of the They're art. They're doing it because, well, the community and the concept of working together jointly on a project that they can celebrate when it when it becomes real. And then, as soon as it's over, it's gone forever. It's not like movies. It's not like uh, TV. It's gone, and you can't reproduce it. So it's it's evanescent. So it's just this. Specific magical process, but the fact that uh, there are volunteers doing it truly differentiates us from professional theater uh, because uh, these are people in the community who many are talented, many grow in skills and talents as a result of being involved, uh, but all of them have to love it so much that they'll give up six, eight, ten weeks of their lives yes. in order to do it without any compensation. Now we don't do that just to taunt them or to <laughs> or as as some people used to say because you can't afford to be a professional theater. Uh we do it because of the concept of there being people who've chosen other things to do. Mm-hmm. You know, life in New York or Los Angeles or Chicago is tough if you don't have a ton of money. It's uh there there are things you have to work through in those cities uh that uh that are harder than living in this part of the country. People choose to be here because of whatever reason, and we provide that outlet, and it's 
over 100 years old, that concept. We are talking with John Viers. He is the executive director of the Des Moines Community Playhouse with Michael Davenport, my co-host for the day. I'm Jamie Johnson. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live here on News Radio 1040 WHO. And we are back. I'm Jamie Johnson with my co-host today, Michael Davenport, and we're talking with John Viers. He is the executive director of the Des Moines Community Playhouse. And John, you've you've uh, you've had a full uh, taste of a lot of different shows that you guys have put on right. over you the bet. years. You uh, do you have a favorite or some some <laughs> some some shows that you guys have done that you I just love really every one of them. Absolutely. I love every All one of them. All my children are wonderful. <laughs> Except yeah. I don't have any favorites. I don't I don't like Trisha any better than Julie. than Michael. <laughs> but, How's but, that? But do you have a show? Do you have a show that you you look back on with fondness saying, "Boy, that just went so well." Well, there there are a bunch of them and they are they are kind of co-equal. But let me rattle off a few and maybe some some thoughts that go with it. Uh, I we did in uh, ni- 1987 and again in 1989 a show called Peace Child, and that was uh, was a non political show. If, if asking for peace, I assume is non political. Uh, these about kids uh, petitioning the leaders of their governments, international kids, uh, to stop the nuclear uh, nuclear uh, war march that we were on the the build up. This is 1987. It's right before the Soviet Union changed. We brought ten, 10 kids from what were at the time Iron Curtain countries right exactly at this time of year. And, and they arrived the day before Thanksgiving. They didn't know what Thanksgiving was. Most of them didn't speak English. Uh, they came with adult chaperones. We combined them with 100 kids from Des Moines doing this original work on uh, on peace uh, and it was it was from the kids point of view uh we did it sold it out never had an empty seat we did it again 2 years later in 1989 toured all over Iowa this time uh this time uh it we had some beginning of glasnost and so it was a lot freer and we had 15 kids from Moscow amazing and we went all over the state of Iowa in one place in particular and i'm going to say this and try not to and try not to uh re- bring back uh crazy memories the the russian girls the moscow girls uh were big strong and not big but strong strong people and here's an example of it there was a there was actually a dance about what would happen if a nuclear bomb went off, and there was a lot of fog in it. So we're in this town on the border of Iowa, and we're watching it from the back of the theater, and the fog looks different. And then I look, and there are like there are three fewer girls than there were in the in the girls' <laughs> dance. And then then there's four fewer girls. So I run the long distance to backstage, and they're hacking and 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 coughing and and uh, and and spitting up stuff outside on the the loading dock of the theater what's going on it turns out that the the theater staff there the local staff the fog machine didn't work so he decided he would use a fire extinguisher but it wasn't co2 it was dry chemical oh boy so all of these people were in were athletically inhaling all of that stuff and uh and they were one one at a time peeling off yes this is toward the end of the show uh, we we're calling uh, the the. By the way, everything turned out all right. Uh, they were in the hospital for a while, and every uh, everybody got a, a big dose of 
settlement. Oh, there was a settlement that can't be talked about yeah, here. Yeah, but. <laughs> can't talk about that. No, but but the the image that remains in my mind is the guy who did it was so bad was so upset he locked himself in the bathroom which was on the way from the backstage to the front and every time i would run by and have i had had to keep running back and forth something bigger and and crazier was happening the third time i ran by there was a priest on his knees talking through the grate <sighs> of the bathroom to try to talk the guy into opening the door wow goodness gracious the fourth time they had uh the 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 fireman in taking the door off the hinges to get him uh, to get him to come out was the show noises off what? yeah well, it was, <laughs> but it so was, where does the big russian woman come in well they weren't big the thing is stocky the, the a bunch of the kids went to the hospital not one of the russian girls went to the hospital it's wow it's just like what we breathe every day it's just, yeah. <laughs> wow it's like but but the but the asthmatic uh uh kids from iowa Oh, had a my. problem with it, so that was that was uh, a close call. International so, crisis averted. International crisis. Well, the Russians they didn't bother them. <laughs> so uh, so we did an international theater festival the following year and did seventeen different theaters from seventeen different countries, uh, all performing the shows in their own language. We wired. This is before wireless. The entire theater, four hundred seats, for simultaneous translation. And someone in the booth from each company did that. That was a that was that's a, a big, lot of work. Yes, yes, yes. And the the a number of the events for that was were hosted at Terrace Hill by the Brandstads, who were incredibly supportive, who had season tickets, who came to all the shows, who were involved in the Peace Child production. So Adrienne Brandstad uh, was on our board recently, and her kids are involved in our programs. She's a great, great spokesperson for us, and we're happy that she's there. Yeah, that's great. That kind of innovation, John's talking about something from the late 80s and early 90s, but that kind of innovation continues at the Playhouse today. Youthful, innovative, and just inspiring, and they're really leading the country as far as what community theater should look like. Does New York or L.A., are they aware of what happens here? No. Well, someone needs to bring them here. <laughs> We're flyovers. Okay. Uh, it, unless, you know, there are kids who come from here and go there. Of course, they know that. And they come back, and, and they're very appreciative. One of our kids who went away and came back uh, a couple of times is Peter Hedges, who uh, was a Valley High School uh, mm -hmm. student. He wrote uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. He's director. He's a writer. He came back, and every time he talks about something important, he cries. And he's cried on our stage many times talking about his experience at the Playhouse. That's great. John Viers, Executive Director of the Des Moines Community Playhouse. Thanks for being our guest for this half hour well, on Saturday Morning it Live. It went by way too fast. Your way prediction too fast. was correct. I need two more hours. Can you do <laughs> <Yeah>. us? <laughs> well, we're just going to have to come. and my, my kids are coming to see uh, Willy Wonka this, this next week. And That's right. It opens Friday. That. Yeah. Friday, so December 2nd. Keep doing all the magic that you guys have been doing for all these years and we're so happy that you decided to make des moines your home oh so. thank well i wasn't allowed any yeah. so. thanks a lot jamie johnson great. with michael davenport this is saturday morning live we'll be right back with more great conversation here on news radio 1040 who
Breakfast is two hours in radio. I'm Jamie Johnson. This is Saturday Morning Live here on News Radio 1040 WHO. Adrian. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And Branstead is off today. And in her chair is the great Michael Davenport, a friend of mine. He's uh, an actor and a teacher and uh, just an all-around good guy. And uh, Michael, you've just been a great guest host today. Well, fantastic. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. It's uh, We have a lot of the same interests. So probably very... Uh, similarly minded so it's been really great yeah and uh you're a recently married man how's that going for you you seem very happy marriage is a good institution it's a good institution i'm glad to be blessed with the i have the everyone says i have the best wife i'm a real big jerk i'm just not a good guy sometimes and my wife makes me the best person possible well i'll tell you what she's got a great singing voice she sang at an event that i was at that's right we needed someone to sing our national anthem and she 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 sang it and she just did uh, so so beautifully. She, you know, uh, she enjoys doing those those kind of events and she always helps the veterans at, out in Newton. She sings and she. My wife has a master's degree in opera, but we live in Des Moines. So what do you do? So she works for the Des Moines Symphony. But uh, but she's gorgeous voice. Well, that was nice. I'm lucky to have her. Now, if she uh, if she ever wanted to sing for an event out of state, uh, what are some of the uh, opportunities that she might have? Um, I mean, w- would, it be, would it be for a sporting event or would oh, it sure. be for a community theater or w- might it be for a concert or something having to do with a symphony somewhere? She can do just about anything uh, and she has gone out of state to sing uh, the national anthem for cer- uh, certain events as she has performed with opera uh, throughout the, uh, at least throughout the state and throughout uh, parts of the country. She went to Bowling Green so she has a lot of experience there. And uh, I think she would love to go anywhere where uh, they they would have her. Great. Yeah. Well, so. you've you've got uh, you've got quite a quite a family starting here. So, I hope so. All, all of it's God's a blessing, a real nice blessing to you. Speaking of which, we just came out of uh, a really really big event here in Iowa life. It was the Iowa Hawkeyes playing the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Oh, this yes. of course is an annual big big event when the red and the white army from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska come here and they play the black and the gold and Sometimes the black and gold goes to Lincoln. Well, this time we had the home field advantage, and boy, the Iowa Hawkeyes did not disappoint. We've got something queued up for our listening audience right now. From Learfield, on the Hawkeye Sports Network. Hardly in a double cutback move. He's loose. He's in midfield. Jay fakes the team over the middle, right angle, the great catch. McCarron's loose. He's at the second and third level. Midfield, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. Touchdown! Touchdown, Iowa! C.J. Beathard, Robin Hood, with that arrow of a throw, he could have parted your hair with that football. Third down and goal. They run straight ahead with Daniels, and he waltzes into the end zone for the touchdown. That is Big Ten ground and pound power football by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And for the first time since 1981, the Hawkeyes have knocked off Nebraska at Kinnick Stadium. Live it. Breathe it. College football from Learfield. 
And that is what our listeners enjoyed on News Radio 1040 WHO. WHO is always uh, just more than more than happy to bring you uh, everything related to the Iowa Hawkeyes. And we have a great sports tradition here on WHO, and we intend to uh, intend to bring you little snippets of, of great moments like that. So uh, even on Saturday Morning Live, because it is part of our life. I mean, it's not just all about uh, farming and business and insurance and first-in-the-nation presidential politics. We do have a great college tradition here, don't we, Michael? Oh, we certainly do. I used to love listening to Jimmy Zobel, you know. Uh, yes. Holding away voice of the Iowa Hawkeyes, yes. Jim Zobel. He was great. One-of-a-kind voice. And, oh, yeah. and even as he matured and his voice deepened and got a little bit more distinctive, it was just, he was kind of like the Vin Scully of right, the of Iowa, Iowa, you know, the uh, Iowa sports sports world. So What a great guy. A lot yeah. of people miss him. Yeah. So, great handshake, too, boy. That great guy pull handshake. you right in, you know? Yes. <laughs> and, and I would run into people who grew up listening to Jim Zobel, didn't know what he looked like, but then when they met him, they thought, wow, they were kind of struck that... They didn't know that uh, the voice that they were listening to matched the package when they when they met him. A lot of people are like that on radio. That's right. Like you're listening to me right now, and you probably think I'm, you know, some 36, 37-year-old schlub, but I look a lot like Tom Cruise. You, you do. As <laughs> a matter of fact, didn't you double for him in one of the Mission Impossible movies? In all of the... You did all the stunts. The stunts and where you had to show the muscles. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of movies, let's talk about movies just for a little bit. And we do want to open up the phone lines, 284 1040 I want to ask some questions uh, of you, Michael, and just have a little bit of a friendly dialogue. And if anyone wants to call us at 284-1040, they certainly can. Here's the theme for the remainder of this program. American Entertainment. American oh, Entertainment. What a great it's, theme. It, it's, it's a great broad. theme. It's a broad thing. We, we can kind of take it anywhere we want to go. But I want to ask about movies. One of the things that my wife and I have liked for many, many years now is that uh, when we put on a classic movie that was filmed in black and white, Hollywood had a certain kind of a system that was mm. so regimented. It was so Oh, the perfected. studio system. Yeah. Yes, the, mm-hmm. the old studio system with Metro-Golden-Meyer and, and, and all of the different... Uh, studios that were then, they had a system down. And these individuals mastered a product. And, and for many years, the years 1933 to 1966, that 33-year span, has been called the golden age of Hollywood, sure. 33 to 66. And uh, they said that Hollywood just produced such glorious uh, motion pictures that it became – America – in arts became the envy of the world defined you, by you, those movies yes sure. <laughs> how would you how would you um say that american cinema american movies uh has changed in the last 50 years since the end of that golden era and where we are right now being a movie critic yourself sure well that's an interesting question i was just watching on youtube bob hope i think it was bob hope uh, presenting the 1972 or 73 uh, Academy Awards, uh, and he was sort of deriding and uh, complaining about how movies went right in the can, and it was because of all of the uh, the language and the nudity and the the lack of uh, wholesomeness and that sort of thing. Now, of course, that's all elements of life, uh, and we can uh, show any aspect of life on the movie screen. But, but yeah, Bob Hope was a really big critic of uh, how the movies took took a took a turn for the worst. Uh, but that studio system, 33 through 1933 through 19, was it 60, 66. 66. Yes. 
it's interesting. We can look at the movies, we can look at politics, and look at the just general culture and see uh, the culture has changed, the fa- family structure has changed, education has changed, and the movies are certainly representative of that. Think about, you know, you put yourself in certain uh, scenarios or situations and maybe you're sitting in your car, you're at a, you're in a parking lot, and you're sitting in your car and you see a guy walking down the street and maybe you start to sort of conjure up a story or an image about this guy. And that is all information you're coming up with based on your past experiences. Some of those past experiences are based on life, but also what you've seen in the media. And so the media has really, uh, motion pictures, TV, has really informed the way we think about ourselves as a country and as people. And if we've got uh, not good stuff uh, over the airwaves on TV on the silver screen, we're not going to be good people ourselves. So, well, it's been called by intellectuals and cultural sociological conservatives. They call it the coarsening of American oh. mm-hmm. culture. There's a coarseness that has has taken uh, shape, and and we see it in 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 an emerging generation that doesn't say please as often, right? Or doesn't say thank you as often. And it doesn't seem to understand certain things that their fathers or grandfathers before them did. And I almost wonder, you know, there's this question asked kind of like the chicken and the egg, which Mm -hmm. came first. Does culture shape society or does society – I'm sorry, do the arts shape culture or does culture shape the arts? When you get asked a question like that, how do you respond? I respond, oh, I'm getting a text message. Let me get right back to you. Uh, No, but seriously, uh, it's it's hard, which which, which, uh, informs the other. Um, certainly, you know, we have a thriving uh, art scene um, that has changed as the art reflects uh, the society that it comes from. And um, I'm not sure that with that, what that little wheel that's turning is what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg. I'm just not sure about that. But, but I know this, <clears throat> there's a pervasiveness uh, out there uh, of society is reflected on, on the silver screen and the small screen and radio and, and now on the internet. And um, we've got to be careful that uh, we're inclusive, we're, we're doing a good thing to promote uh, uh, diversity, but also we don't want to just uh, put any garbage out there. We, we need to be mindful that you've got to be carefully taught uh, the, the stuff that goes on TV and on the movies. Uh, we want to make sure that that's having a good impact and not a negative impact. And I realize I've kind of talked around that question, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not running for office. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Johnson with Michael Davenport. Michael, you are uh, an individual who teaches young people. Yeah. And what ages do you teach? Uh, anywhere from uh, fifth grade through twelfth grade. I've uh, been working uh, very um, uh, specifically with uh, high schoolers the last year uh, with uh, musical theater uh, out at a local mm-hmm. area school. And uh, and w- how do you find that entertainment shapes their lives? I mean, we're a few years removed from that age that you right. that you teach now. Uh, are they pretty locked in to being an entertainment uh, driven, or at least an entertainment um, having entertainment be maybe half of their of their non school hours or something like that? They're, they always seem to be looking at their cell phones. They always seem to that's be that's the biggest thing right there is that cell phone. You know, the cell phone is a tool, especially these smartphones. It can be used for a lot of great things, connectivity, keeping up with people. You have access to everything that's ever been published right there on the internet uh, through your little telephone, but also. It can be very unproductive, and I'm finding so many of these students 
are just, you know, their heads are down, they're buried into that cell phone. Mm. You can have two kids. Uh, well, stick. very few of them are reading news reports. They I mean, they're not headlines. necessarily intellectually expanding their minds and who they are, but a lot of times they're just looking for something to Entertainment. entertain them. Something to titillate or uh, just entertain. And, uh, you know, the what is it? Uh, we have about a 15-second uh, attention span. And that's hard in the classroom. You know, hey, look up here. You know, you're snapping your fingers. Pay attention to me. Not, don't look at your phone. And so many of these schools allow the kids to have phones out in the classroom, whatever. And so the teacher has to compete with uh, the student and the cell phone and then all the other friends in the classroom. And it's a real challenge. So it's a tool, and it can be used great, but it can also be a huge distraction. I read that a law professor in one of the distinguished law schools on the east coast of the United States uh, has now made a rule that uh, there will be no laptops, no computers in his classroom because he has noticed every year it's gotten worse. And he had a friend sit in the back of the class for one week. Mm-hmm. And he said, Michael, they are not, they're not, they are not taking notes. They're on Facebook. Right. They're shopping. Uh, girls were buying negligees. Oh, goodness. Uh, guys were looking at sports highlights on ESPN. Sure. They were not paying attention to the to the legal studies that the professor was teaching. And I think we've come to a place where there is going to be uh, pushback on a very large scale toward uh, these handheld uh, devices that we have called smartphones and also even laptops. Right. It's hard now also for CEOs of businesses to I mean, the corporate boardrooms now, Michael, are getting to the place where they're banning cell phones in the boardroom because yes. they won't listen to the chairman of the board as he's as, as he's trying to uh, hold the meeting now. People think you know they always uh, praise multitasking, but you can't give your undivided attention when you're multitasking. Something is going to lose out, of course, and and that's what happens, particularly in the classroom. Uh, again, there are really great uh, educational tech. Uh, that can be uh, utilized through Chromebooks and uh, and and uh, you, many of the local schools are now one to one, meaning uh, every student in the classroom has access to technology uh, individually. Uh, the the problem there is is if the teacher isn't up to date technically or technologically as the students, boy, you know those kids are just. Uh, can just mow over that teacher with what they're doing. When we come back from this break, our final break of the show, I'm going to ask Michael Davenport, my co-host, about his favorite movies of all time and the great actors and actresses that uh, we all love so much. I'm Jamie Johnson. This is Saturday Morning Live here on News Radio 1040 WHO. And we're back for the final segment of Saturday Morning Live. I'm Jamie Johnson. My co-host today is Michael Davenport. Adrienne Branstead is out today. And, uh, Michael, we want to end with some conversation about uh, great movies, great actors, great actresses. Oh, so wow. great go topic. ahead. I've teed it up. You swing away. Well, you know, uh, this time of year is a, a time that I like to just sit back with around the holidays. And uh, my wife just uh, I, I made her uh, watch The Grapes of Wrath recently. Ooh, Love that black and white. One. Henry yeah. Fonda. Fantastic. Grapes of Wrath. And, of course, uh, Remains of the Day, Anthony Hopkins. Yes. That's a, that's a great one. I like the ones that are always sort of sad, sacky movies, you know, mm-hmm. that make me think. And I'm a hopeless romantic type that gets a little misty-eyed. And, and they promote contemplation. That, and that's some of right. the deeper themes of life. I love I love to go deep. I love I love the deeper stuff, and th- that's for sure. Lighthearted stuff. Big Lebowski. Have you Have you seen that? No, class? I haven't. Fantastic. You'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. So don't watch around family. It's not okay. a family friendly right. show, but it's 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 pretty great. 
And of course, again, I'm going to talk about two more Anthony Hopkins movies. Shadowlands. He plays C.S. Lewis. Yes. Fantastic. Especially you, you know, talking about yes. some of the things we did earlier when Bishop Pates was here. Fantastic movie. Uh, and it's a great. It, it, it great talks book. about experiencing pain and how life can throw you a curveball, and God may not make sense, but right. He's there nonetheless. There's a beautiful line in there where Anthony Hopkins, playing C.S. Lewis, is dialoguing with a, 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 a colleague there uh-huh. in Oxford, and he said something about prayer, saying, "I, I couldn't stop praying, like I couldn't stop breathing, or something mm-hmm. like that. It just kind of comes natural." And of course, the message there is that there are times in our lives when we have to struggle through pain and keep plodding ahead. It was beautiful. Right. And, well, and Hopkins pulls this off as an actor. He's so great. And you know, that, that film really uh, pulled me in a spiritual direction to sort of renew my commitment to, to my faith. And again, with prayer, you know, it's not that God needs my prayers. It's that uh, I, need, mm-hmm. I need my prayers to go to God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need me. So uh, that was great. But, you know, great actors, uh, George C. Scott, yes. uh, Brian Dennehy, you know, one of my favorite actors you don't hear too much anymore, Lee J. Cobb. Oh, there we go. Lee, uh, he, uh, fantastic. So I immediately think of World War II movies. Sure. Oh, yeah. That's right. And, you know, Lee but, J. Cobb, he was uh, he donated a lot of his time to produce uh, pilot, Air Force training films, mm-hmm. by the way, Lee J. Cobb. Yeah. On the Waterfront, fantastic. Yes. You know, a movie a lot of Classic. people don't talk it, it, about. That kind of made Brando, didn't it? Oh, it surely did, yeah. Oh, well, of course, and uh, he just didn't, didn't stop working. I won't talk about Last Tango in Paris. That's yeah, sort of no, no, questionable we, we, we want to stay away from that. <laughs> but uh, Brando is just great. And, you know, so many actors wanted to be like Brando at that time. They all came out of the group theater and uh, mm-hmm. the actors. Uh, Speaking of Brando, can I just ask you a question? When he, you know, he kind of disappeared for a long time. Yeah. And they, they brought him back to play... Corleone. Oh, sure. Vito Corleone. And, and it almost it basically relaunched Brando's career for a period of about seven years, though, because he ended up playing uh, the father of Superman right. in the original Christopher Reeve Superman. But what does it take to be uh, to, to move from having good acting ability to becoming I- great or even iconic? Boy, I wish I knew. I'd, I'd bottle it and try to do it myself if I did. Because there are certain iconic actors. And every man quality is helpful. Earnestness, truthfulness. Do you think Gregory Peck tapped into that? Because Charlton Heston said that Gregory Peck, it just uh, he just he gave off such goodness, such human goodness, and certain moral qualities that there was never a role that Peck could act in hmm. where you didn't feel that goodness was just oozing out of him. Sure, Atticus Finch and uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, probably his uh, one of his greatest roles. Another great movie is The Scarlet and the Black, where he plays a Vatican uh, cardinal that's uh, undertaking some World War II espionage to uh, attack the Nazis. Uh, but, you know, I got to say, another actor that we don't, we've forgot about, forgotten about is uh, Jack Lemmon. Oh, Jack Lemmon. Oh, he was yes. so good. Uh, Save the Tiger. Yes. Um, Some Like It Hot. Yes. And even Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross yes. uh, from the 90s. What a great, uh, great, great. show that was. Well, uh, who's your favorite female actor of all time, actress of all time? I love Helen Mirren, and mm-hmm. I love Kate Winslet. I tend to like the Brits. Oh, you do? I do okay. like the Brits. Interesting. Yeah. They're kind of trained in a different school, kind of more of a classical acting That's school. That's right. I th- they're, they're more actresses rather than starlets mm. uh, in that way, I think. They're, they're less celebrity, more on the craft, and I think that shows, and I'm, I really like that. Interesting. Uh, switching to TV just in our last uh, uh, 30 seconds here, any classic TV shows that you miss? 
Oh, well, it's, I don't know if it's classic, but I sure loved The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Love that. But, uh, you know, uh, Seinfeld was so great. And let's go all the way back to uh, some of the black and white stuff. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Twilight Zone. Oh, wow. You can watch those online. Those are just fantastic. Oh, and yes. Anything that we really sponsored, uh, family and creativity, great. I like. Great. Well, Michael Davenport, thanks so much for being my co-host. My pleasure. Today, this has been awesome. And I'm Jamie Johnson. This has been Saturday Morning Live. We'll be back again next week with more talk about the things that matter around Des Moines and Central Iowa on News Radio 1040 WHO. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.